And welcome to episode 53 of the Cake Watch podcast, the podcast that won't publish its manifesto until after the elections. My name's Steve Bullock. I'm an ex-negotiator for the UK in the EU, um, and I'm here with my colleague. Uh, Chris Kendall. I am an EU official, um, been an EU official for ages, but um, doing this podcast in a strictly personal capacity. And strictly with- personal capacity. It's strictly personal capacity, and also here in a strictly personal capacity with us is our guest, Andy. Yay! Andy we from Remainer Now. Yes, hello everyone, and yes, my name is Andy, and I spend a lot of my uh, twilight hours when I'm not working or looking after kids, tweeting under at Remainer Now. So if you don't already follow, you should. And why don't you already? Why not? Why not? You should be already following him. I'm yeah, following so him. Just as a brief summary, it's uh, share stories, um, videos, radio clips of people who didn't vote Remain first time around in 2016, but now really would and uh, think Brexit is disaster. And give lie and give lie to the... Uh, the idea that nobody's changed their mind, which people consistently keep saying that they've never met anyone who's changed their mind. And every time anybody on, on, on Twitter says that, um, either Andy or someone else pops up with a Remain and Now clip yeah. going, yeah. look, well, these people bloody have. Yeah, <laughs> so. and P- Piers Morgan is uh, very guilty of that. Jeez, oh, I didn't need that long Apologies. Just like that out apologies, of the blue. Guys. You won't have me back. You should end this call, oh. call already now. So. Oh, jeez, oh. <laughs> oh. oh. I'm going to find some mouthwash. <laughs> All right. Well, before we um, oh, before we revisit that difficult subject, uh, let's do some follow up. I, I had. I'm, I'm going to do the first bit of follow up um, for me unusually. Oh yeah. Um, the, I just want to say thanks to everyone who commented on my appalling rendition of "Ode to Joy" at the beginning. It was of, great. Uh, of last week, it was a lot of fun to record. Um, you think it's going to be very easy. Um, but it, t- it took a surprising and embarrassing number of takes to get even remotely right. And the bend at the end is a little bit of tune. Oh, it was a little but- bit. Oh, it was loud. Yeah. That was great. I rocked out. I was air guitaring to it. Thank you. Thank you for everyone for the lovely, uh, lo- well, it was three or four people for the lovely comments on it anyway. It was very That's good, my only bit of follow-up. That's my only bit of follow-up I think I've ever done on Cable. I know. You usually <laughs> leave this bit to me, don't you? So, yeah. What a shock. Well, okay, look, I've got uh, two bits of follow-up. Um, so last week we had, um, a lengthy and slightly ranty conversation about <laughs> party politics and Quite right. why we, uh, why we, why we don't like party politics and, and why we're disillusioned and disgusted with parties. And, um, and I mean, it's fair to say that we got a little bit of pushback, um, uh, including from, you know, our very large number of Labour friends and, and followers um, and listeners. Um, and one in particular from from 
somebody I've known for a number of years, actually, um, David Schäuble, um, who is, um, uh, I think it's fair to say he's a solid Labour member from um, Tower Hamlets, I think, David. I'm not giving you too much away. but um, Are you doxing him? He's not the only person who lives in Tower Hamlets, to be fair. <laughs> the only one called David Schäuble, I bet. Oh, that's true. Well, maybe not even, you know. It's a very international it's a very international borough. <laughs> Mostly Bengali. I don't think Schäuble is a Bengali name, but um listen, um so David came back and said, Look, he 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 was listening to us and shaking his head and, and he he says parties are not about faith and brand and loyalty. They're organized around coalitions of worldviews and values and socio-economic interests. I thought, and I thought, you know what, that's, that's actually very fair, because I think we were presenting it in a slightly sort of binary way, that either you were totally floating and in the market for any party that um, effectively ticked enough of your boxes to get you over that critical, to get you that critical mass, um, or you were, or we were suggesting that you were, um, you know, born again, uh, uh, faith-based uh, family member of the cult, um, and it was one or the other. And, and I think that sort of David's right to say, well, look, you know, it's no, because with broad-based political movements, there's also the, 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 the values that behind it, that the history behind it. Um, uh, the views that transcend an individual leader or uh, a temporary blip. So I kind of get that. I can see you shaking your head, Steve. I kind of get that. I kind of get why somebody says, you know what, I'm Labour because international socialism, blah, blah, blah. And um, while I'm unhappy with what the current leadership is doing, I, I'm not going to abandon... Uh, my um, membership of this organisation that I feel so strongly about and for. And um, I, I, I get that. I have a lot of sympathy for that. I think um, the only thing I'd say is that um, what we're looking at at the moment, it seems to me, is um, a situation where if you're a Conservative, if you're a Labour Party member... Uh, your party is being led by people who are betraying those values and betraying those interests. Precisely. That's why. That's exactly why I was shaking, shaking my head because I think, I think David's point was spot on that the reason parties exist and the reason that people join parties is exactly as he says. Um, I mean, it's as you say, it's one thing. It's one thing voting for a party because it ticks your boxes. Although I would say that the boxes that are ticked are include worldview, values, and socio socioeconomic interests. So it's not just uh, you know, it's not just a set. Of, it's not just a set of policy policy preferences. Right. There, it's you know, it's those values as well. I mean, um, but what happens? What I'm interested in is what happens when the worldview values. And I have to say, in this case, socio-economic interests of the party cease to be yours. Now, yeah. if you then stay because of loyalty to the organisation, then I think you do fall into that. Then I think you do fall into that 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 binary 
binary distinction that, or you, we, or you that, think that, that we made. Or you think, you know what, I'm not going to just walk out on this. It's like a marriage where you've got trouble. And you say, well, you know what, I'm not enjoying this right now. I, I have problems with this, but I'm going to... I'm, I'm I not going to walk out with the first sign of trouble. I'm going to stick this through and I'm going to try and win no, this back. No, and I, complete, I completely get... People staying in a party to change it. People saying, "Look, this is my party as well, and I'm not having it taken away from yeah. from me or from people who people who think like me." I I'm, I, I genuinely genuinely get that. Um, I mean, I get everybody who stayed with Labour throughout, uh, uh, you know, throughout the last throughout the last few years, and they've taken incredible flack for it. And I entirely, I entirely get that. What I think there is though is there's an un- unwillingness to accept that. I mean, if you're supporting a party <laughs> that doesn't fit in with your worldview, and I think I think Brexit is a worldview issue. I'm afraid. I mean, this is these aren't policy. Brexit's not about policy preferences. Policy is a worldview issue. Do you view? <laughs> do you view the world interna- internationally, or do you do you only view it at a national level? Um, or do you do you view it as atom, as, as nations atomized? Um, are you open to others? Or are you are you closed? I mean, these are absolutely key things. Plus, the socioeconomic interest. It's abundantly clear that for the socio socioeconomic interests lie in Brexit not happening. I mean, this is so. These are really really fundamental things. These aren't about. Um, for, these aren't in the same category as. Uh, whether uh, whether funding for a particular thing should go up or down that's an entire that is a, that's an entirely different kind of policy question to this this is about worldviews values and socio socioeconomic interests in my view um, and maybe you don't maybe people don't view it as that um, but at a certain you have to be able to answer the question what would make you leave you know what would make you not do that? And if the answer is nothing, or the, the only answer is violent, you know, a vi- violent fascism or, some, or something utterly extreme, then at that point, I think you, there is a, a kind of Kool-Aid argument about it. What do you think, Andy? I'm not saying, I'm not saying you should leave it a drop of a hat either, but... Look, I, I, I'm, I wasn't political before 2016, really at all. Like, you know, I voted, I was interested probably more than most people, but was never a member of a party, anything like that. And I think the good thing about, I suppose, or at least was until maybe the last few weeks, the anti-Brexit movement is it was completely cross-party, mm. right? There was, mm, everyone yeah. was fighting for that, as Steve was saying, the kind of outlook of, mm. you know, what you want, what you see the country as and almost fighting yeah. for Britain, almost of kind of how you want to see Britain and how it comes yeah, across. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what stage. I think it is. Yeah. And I think it always has angered me when partisan stuff gets in. And you've, yeah, and you've got people that do just say, no, I will always vote for this party. It's in my blood. I've always been that. Well, you know, things can change and yeah. you've got to be able to adapt your view if you find that, you know, you no longer think it's common. It's maybe like, you know, 
you might have had a girlfriend in the past that you, you know, you were great and you had a great time. But if you grow apart and you no longer want the same things, then you shouldn't feel tied to it. And uh, mm. yeah, I get I get quite angry with some of the partisan stuff, maybe because, you know, I'm not from that background. I think there was a tweet I saw from I mean, Gloria De Piro a couple of weeks ago yes. when she was in the middle of the whole obviously you know arguing over Labour's position and I think she said something along the lines of I don't I don't I see this argument a lot about you know people saying I will give up on Labour as Remainers if you don't support us she's I don't I don't I see this a lot but I don't understand it I will always be a Labour voter it's in my blood yeah and you know maybe she's trying to get it to prove a point but like I just that to say that you're never going to change a view when yeah you know, if it doesn't represent you, I think, Chris, I heard you say yeah. last week, you've been a member of four different parties because yeah, exactly. your view changed and maybe yeah. your parties changed. And... Yeah. Yeah, both changed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, exactly. No, I think that's fair enough. And, and, and indeed, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the DNA of your entire activism, isn't it? It's people change. People's, people exactly. can change their minds. And also people, you know, m- maybe they misunderstood or maybe they were misinformed or, you know. The point but, is nothing, nothing stays the same forever yeah and if if you've got say a leadership of a of a party or maybe then maybe in the tory party the most of the membership driving a direction that doesn't you know uh, doesn't follow your ideals so you know some of the one nation conservatives that you've had on in the past and you know garvan and people like that you know it the party has been driven away from them so yeah. You know, in that scenario, what do you do? Do you say, no, I'm a Conservative member, I, I stick? Or do you say, well, look, this doesn't represent me anymore? And same on... Same yeah, on exactly. I mean, quite. I mean, my, my thing is, what are you being loyal to at that mm. point? Yeah. At that at that point where you and the party, either through you diverging or the party diverging, have diverged to such an extent that it... I mean, One Nation Toryism is actually a very good, a very good example because... That's very much a, a general worldview rather than a fixed set of rather than a fixed set of policies. Actually, yeah. Um, so that's a very very good example. So, w- w- uh, w- you know, at what w- at that point, what are you being loyal to? And at that point, I would <coughs> at that point, I would say you are merely being loyal to a brand and a, but, and, but, and, a, and an organisation. Now, okay, I I entirely accept that the reason for being involved with it, the reason for it existing, um. The reasons for existing are exactly as David, as as David said, but ultimately, you know, organisations evolve into um, into things fixated on perpetuating themselves as well. You know, but um, the, yeah, I mean, at that point, you say that at that point it's just about a brand, but of course, the brand in British politics really matters because a brand um, brings with it structure and. Um, loyalties and systems and activist networks and all those things that make you electable. And if your brand is effectively hijacked uh, by some people who turn it into something else and you're left, what do you do? Do you go and form a new brand? Do you go and become the SDP or Change UK? Or do you say, well, no, fuck that. I'm going to take this back. Because if you do push the button and leave... Well, we've all seen how that works in in the British political system. Not very well. So you're left, you know. Well, no, well, has, it, has know. it so far? Well, there's a new party been set up that's on over thirty percent in the. No, that's not uh, a party. No, no, no. Well, okay, okay, okay so no. This is important. The Brexit party is not a party. 
The Brexit no, no, Party no, 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 okay. is a single issue, single person, brand, a protest movement. It is not a party. Well, yeah, so that's, that's the thing. Okay. It's, it's very okay, yeah, easy fine, so that, to yeah, set that's up relevant some... to the point. That's relevant to the point. The, the point no, it's the, not. The, the FDP, the FDP uh, Liberal Alliance, were fairly successful. I wouldn't say that it was a failure at all. Um, Yes, I get it. That I get it that the brand's important for success. But at a certain point, all you're doing is saying people under this, people who are under this banner are by definition better than people who are under other banners. That doesn't make any sense. Well, there's our first bit of follow-up. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I mean, there's lots more to talk about. I mean, we there were there some interesting developments today. For example, I, I got involved in quite a, um, a fast-moving and shouty thread um, prompted by Femi. <laughs> who came out did you see this yes so now look i mean look i want to preface this by saying that i think femi's a fucking fucking hero i think he's a hero i think the, the guy has done amazing amazing work for the cause and i told him that myself i i really do admire him i couldn't admire him more <sighs> but i mean to say, look, I'm going to vote Labour in the, in, the, in the European elections, but of course I won't do it in the general election where it really matters. That's not something I want to be hearing from somebody who is um, fighting for the EU membership and for the EU as a cause. Huh? Well, particularly not after, uh, you know, less than a week after rumours the pressure was brought to bear on them uh, by key Labour figures to, to, yeah. to not run yeah. as a candidate Peterborough. against Labour in Peterborough as well. So. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> but anyway, it wasn't sort people, of people, and and also and also when people's vote have declared that Labour is a have bizarrely claimed that Labour is a people's vote party, yeah. uh, when it's not at no. all, um, right? So, but but I, I might come in on that. Uh, why I think people's vote have said that it's mm -hmm. because they want at the end of this election to be able to say, look. 60, 65% of votes went to people's parties that support people's vote. Now, I think it's ridiculous that oh, yeah, SNP yeah. went it's on not, the leaflet. But it's not true, though. Right, yeah. So it depends on what the goal is of that, right? So if it's trying to get people to vote a particular way, then, yeah, it's not true. <laughs> but that I think that's what they're trying to do. I'm not saying it's a, you know, I agree with it. I just think that's the rationale behind it. Because mm -hmm. they can say it's, it does mention it in the manifesto. But yeah, 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 and people have, and several people have defended <coughs> them on on, on those on I, those grounds. I well. wouldn't have done it, <laughs> but I think that's where it goes. Yeah, you, you can, men, you can men, men, putting putting the words in a manifesto yeah. doesn't doesn't make a doesn't make a commitment to it. the manifesto. I mean, I can't believe we're still having this. We're still having to have discussions about no, this. Yeah. On, on Twitter, the manifesto says that it wants a Labour... The, the policy is to have a Labour mm. Brexit, either by agreement with the government or by um, or by a general election where Labour gets yeah. in and negotiates, and negotiates it. And then possibly, if, the, if that doesn't work out, um, on an undefined timeline, they could, be in, they, could, they could support a public vote on an undefined question. The point is, you can have a general... The, the, the possibility of a general election never disappears. So... You know, there's never a uh, there's never an actual necessity for them for them to do this. And I mean, I it's, yeah, I completely agree, Steve. I do, I do completely agree. I was just trying to give the kind of other angle no, no, that I've seen reported. No, no, and people have defended it on those grounds as well. And I understand the desire 
to take control of the narrative, and it's something me and Crifford would say that should be done, actually, is to, you know, take control of the narrative and not be passive, just be passive and reactive to, it, to, to the ones set by others. Um, but... It's not true. <laughs> if, it, if it was, you know, if it was even in question that it was true, you know, yeah. maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a tactical ploy. But but, it, but it's an interesting, but it is an interesting a split, I think, among Remainers. So um, Femi well, started who's this. A member of the Labour Party says that Labour's a Remain party, and everyone who isn't says no, 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 no. Well, hang on a sec. So <laughs> Femi, so Femi started the thread, but he he, he sort of said, "Look, I'm not going to wade in because I." He, he had a sense of where it was all going to go. Um, I came in and said, "Look, Femi, look, love you, man, but I think I think this is the wrong thing uh, to do." And um, friend of the podcast, someone we greatly admire and we both know, um, Seb Dance, um, came in and said, "Look, Chris, punishing good Labour MEPs isn't going to do anything except lose decent." Uh, MEPs and um, there, there followed an interesting debate um, where you know um, bottom line is <laughs> there's going to be collateral damage and it's going to be pe- it's going to be you know it, hopefully it won't be said frankly um, but it, well it, I mean it won't it won't be I don't think it will be if the if the cost of switching support to openly remain parties is that we lose some good MEPs who represent Brexit parties. Well, you know, that's going to be the cost. In the meantime, Seb said something that I thought was, I thought was, was, was interesting, Mm. possibly correct, but certainly upsetting to hear, which is that he thinks that a vote against Labour is going to be interpreted as a vote for (laughs) Brexit. Not by Labour, it isn't. Well, I, I you know what, I should probably dig out the actual... And so on, but I, I, don't think, I, I don't think it will be by the NEC or the Labour leadership. Well, I, I, that's exactly my point. But um, I should pull it out, actually, and, show, and, and, and read it to you, because, um, I mean, it leaves, it leaves us in a bizarre situation where whatever we do, it is yeah, going yeah. to be interpreted as a vote for Brexit. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good point. That's certainly, certainly true. Um, but the question is, how will it be interpreted by the people who we're trying to move yeah. the views of? And the people we're trying to move the views of are the lead- Labour leadership. Yeah. Um, the party's already moved. The party membership has already moved on this. Uh, and Let- we're trying to influence the, the, the Labour leadership. And you simply do not get a dog to sit, stop shitting on the carpet by giving it a doggy treat every time it does it. no. no. No, well, we're all, we're all dads, right? But look, um, <laughs> not 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 that it's well. Um, <laughs> I'll just stop talking about shitting on the carpet. Okay, so I mean that's pretty much what I said to Seb. So I sort of said, look, Seb, you know, while I while I don't want to punish you or good 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 p- politicians like you, I can't vote for a platform that stands for something that I can't support. So um, the only leverage I've got here is my vote. And that I'll have to yep. use it, right? So he came back and said, "Sure, but it will be interpreted as evidence for support for Brexit. That's what the Tories are banking on. Look at the local elections." To which, you, what can you say? You know, the, the the way in which the massive swing towards Remain parties in the local elections yeah. was spun as 
people asking politicians to deliver on Brexit was just the, one of the most deceitful things. I mean, in, in an age of utter deceit in our politics, it... And, and, the, and the incredible thing is that they seem to believe what they're saying, and it seems to have been taken up by, by much of the yep. mainstream press too. But it would be the same the other way. And the, the Labour, this is chickens coming home to roost, the Labour, members of the Labour front bench went along with that interpretation of it. Yes. In fact, Corbyn went along with that, exactly. with that interpretation Which, of it. Now, once you've done that, yeah. sorry, there's no possible way, yeah. because voting... How can you vote for we, somebody? Go, because we know what happened in 2017 yeah. and how it was interpreted, and we know that would be done yeah. again. Yeah. If, that's, if, Labor, yeah. if it was a Labour landslide, if Labour got 40%, and yeah. it would be interpreted as... Uh, uh, it would be interpreted by the government and by Labour yeah. as an endorsement of their position, which was a pro-Brexit position. So I mean, if you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, well, you better just do what you, you, your, your values are telling yeah. you and your instincts are telling you. And much as I had, to, much as I really had to say it, because these are people that I really, 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 ad, truly admire. I'm not just saying that; I really do very much admire them. Mm. I know know some of them a little bit. Um, they're choosing to stand on it. They're not being forced to stand on this manifesto. They could disavow the manifesto. They could say, "I don't believe this manifesto. I'm not going to support this bit of the manifesto and take the and take the consequences of it." Um, it's a choice to stand on this. It's a choice to stand for the party. It's a choice to stand, to, to continue to stand uh, on the on this manifesto. Um, and I'm, re- I'm, I'm ugh, breaks my heart. I'm mm. really sorry about that. I'm very, I'm, I'm really, really sorry about that. I'm sorry that the system means they couldn't deregister and re-register as independents. Mm. Um, on that note of kind of standing on different manifesto, I'm, I'm not. I've been away, so I, I haven't maybe not followed it all through. But I saw. Um, I think it was Ben Bradshaw was sharing a leaflet that I think was produ- produced by a couple of the unions, like USDAW and stuff like that. Yeah, that was yeah. saying. I think it was just for the Southwest, but it was saying that you know Labour MEPs are all pro people's vote. Now, was that was that pulled? Did that come out? Because you know is that. What you know, Steve? No, I think that, I think, I, did they, I think did they ever it, I deliver think, that? Because you know, I think it, I, I, we'd have to check, but I think it went out. I, I certainly didn't hear of any plans for it not to. Okay, and by Labour, Labour MEPs are are pro people's vote. I mean that that is that is true. Although actually, the, I think the third or fourth on the list in London isn't actually. So that's that's also <laughs> not, the, the not third. case. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's also I mean, and there's also this there's also this thing that that uh, a couple of days ago the narrative turned into. I think it came from Keir Starmer saying, "Ah, oh, yeah, but Labour MPs would never vote, mm. would never vote for it." Look, I'm really sorry. We can only go on the manifesto. Mm-hmm. The manifesto is, I mean, manifestos have, in 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 national elections, manifestos have a pseudo constitutional place. I mean, a manifesto is a serious thing, and that's what you stand on. Mm. And if you don't want to stand on that manifesto, you shouldn't stand on yeah. that manifesto. And but you certainly shouldn't misrepresent what's in it either. And, and, and this was what I was was like I said I, I was confused about it because obviously I, I can is the leaflet saying is it misinterpreting and giving a, a false impression of the manifesto or was it that they were basically giving themselves their own manifesto in that? That's what I was trying to establish because I wasn't quite clear. Well, I suspect it. I suspect it's. At, Essentially, trying to give themselves their their own manifesto, mm. but you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand the desire to yeah. do that, of course, um, but you can't. And it's, a, I mean, look, it's a, it's an awful, awful, awful shame. But nobody's entitled to nobody's entitled to a vote. Yeah. No party's entitled yeah. to a vote. Yeah, 
That's that. Chris said that last week, and I've been yeah. thinking about that all week. Chris said that last yeah. week, and I've been thinking about it since then. Nobody is nobody's entitled yeah. to a vote. It's, it's yeah. really as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Look, why, well, before we leave the subject of Seb, though, I just, I just, I know it's not a part, uh, part of a normal part of the podcast, but I wanted to draw attention to a beautiful own he did oh, today a yeah. burn he did of aaron banks oh because such a burn. <laughs> um, aaron banks <laughs> did did really kind of walk into it but he um aaron aaron had a go at seb's uh, for, for for likening farage to mosley saying come on farage is somebody that your granny would like to have a cup of tea with <laughs> and then like you d- look i know i know, seb doesn't talk about this very much and I thought, yeah. but he can't not talk about it here. And he came in and said, "Oh man, my my grandmother." So Seb, like me, has a, has a, has a taint of the old German in him. <laughs> and his grandmother uh, was uh, he, he he's told me about her before. I, I won't I won't I won't um, uh, go into his personal life. I mean, that's for him to do. But uh, what he did share on Twitter was that his grandmother. <laughs> was the secretary of the German ambassador to the Soviet Union during the war, <laughs> during a key point t- yes. time in the war, um, uh, an ambassador that was subsequently executed by the Nazis for plotting, for plotting against, against Hitler. Hitler. Yeah. And his grandmother's family uh, lost a large number of family members uh, for treason to against, against the Nazis. In short, <laughs> Aaron Banks... No, his grandmother would not fucking want to have a cup of tea with Nigel Farage. <laughs> Being somebody that knows all exactly. about fascists yeah. and yeah. the cost of fascism, no, she would not. And so it was, um, it was yeah. one of those beautiful moments where you just sort of like, ooh, you just kind of wince. Perfect. It was, and I, I don't know about anybody else, but I've been, I've been trying to wear... Where a party political... Well, I've been trying not to retweet party political points from all parties, actually. I'm mm. trying to just, you know, tweet pro-EU and anti-Brexit stuff uh, from from them. And I'm really trying to do that with the Labour MP- MEPs as well, because, yeah. um, you know, I could, I'm, at the same time as what we've talk, talked about about the party... I mean, they are excellent, mm. and we shouldn't we shouldn't deny that or, or give yeah. give any sort of impression that they're that they're not. I mean, they are they are superb. I don't want my vote to be seen as a vote for Brexit, so I'm not going to be voting Labour. Mm. But if if Labour MEPs like Seb are returned to Parliament, I should be delighted, absolutely delighted. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, of course. And of and course. he will absolutely re- represent me, even if I didn't vote for him. I know he will. Yeah, absolutely. Right, I've got one more piece of follow-up. <laughs> We're only half an hour in, so don't worry. <laughs> oh, it's going to be one of them, oh. is it? <laughs> Brace yourselves, folks. No, I have, this is I, this is important. I have to do this because this it's um, it's yes. me. Uh, it's me owning up to an error. Um, well, it wasn't exactly an error, but no. Uh, friend of the podcast, Ooh. Mark Johnston, um, came in to say, "Look, when I was describing the procedure for." V- selecting a Spitzenkandidat, uh, the parliament sh- selecting their Spitzenkandidat to go forward for the commission president. Um, the way I described it was actually, I was describing the way in which they elect 
the European Parliament president. That is to say they have rounds of voting and gradually the, the field is thinned out until they just have two candidates and they have a runoff. That's not quite how it works with the Spitzenkandidat. The Spitzenkandidat. I thought that at the time, but I didn't want to interrupt you because you were in, you know. <laughs> bit, like, bit like when you got the dance system wrong, and I thought so at the time, but I, I didn't want to mention yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That no, was much um, worse than this, actually. <laughs> no, 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 no. But look, um, so look, um, I'm going to nerd out for a second uh, and quote the European Parliament's own um, explanation. It was the European Parliament Study Unit, I think, whatever they call themselves. Who, who published a, a little piece on how the Spitzenkandidat process works and where it came from. So the Spitzenkandidat process, as all listeners will know, is where the, Parliament, the Parliament's political groups um, select an individual to be their candidate for the president of the, the European Commission. So they're currently um, looking at candidates to replace Jean-Claude Juncker, who himself was uh, Spitzenkandidat of the European People's Party, the centre-right bloc, uh, in 2014. So this is, this, this, this is a development from the Lisbon Treaty. So in the Lisbon Treaty, um, the European Council, that has always proposed uh, and, and, ado- and chosen a candidate for Commission President, now is obliged to take into account the elections to the European Parliament and hold, quote, appropriate consultations. Um, and the Lisbon Treaty also provides that the proposed candidate must then be elected by the European Parliament by a majority of its, its members. In other words, um, the European Council proposes a candidate that they've chosen, but they're supposed to have consulted and taken to, into account the, the European Parliament, yep. the European Parliament's makeup. And then that candidate has to be approved by a majority of parliamentarians. And if not, and then the whole yeah, process starts again. The- that's, and yeah, that's effectively the check to make sure right. that they have actually taken into yeah. account. Because so, I, I mean, whenever whenever you wanted something uh, to be ignored when you're writing legislation, yeah. you put that it must be taken into account. So there's <laughs> no, uh, but uh, but yeah, but with the with the confirmatory vote. Yeah. So there's no explicit. There's no explicit Spitzenkandidat pros, procedure as such in the in the treaty, but if you see if you look at that, I mean. What the Parliament's done is, um, you might call it creative, but they've found a mechanism or they've established a mechanism yep. which basically uh, it makes that uh, makes that automatic, uh, which is the yeah. Spitzenkandidat. Now, there's there's the reality is that the European Council could look at the candidates on offer and say, no, we're going to propose this person, and then put it up to a vote. And if the Parliament still approves that person, then, you know... So, for example, you could get a situation, say, where Manfred Weber, who is not universally popular, um, is proposed by the EPP, if they are the largest group in the, in the next Parliament, if they propose Manfred Weber as their Spitzenkandidat, and the Council comes along and says, you know what, actually, we think we want to propose Michel Barnier because we mm. think he'd be a better candidate. And if that went to the Parliament, and the I Parliament agree. then voted for him by a majority, then he would be the Commission President. Yeah. Um, so it's not automatic that the Spitzenkandidat of the largest parliamentary grouping will become commission president. However, and it's unlikely that there would be a majority for one party grouping as well, isn't it? Indeed. There would be an absolute majority. Indeed, yeah. exactly. So, so this is where what I was saying last week kicks in, which is where the other yeah. groupings will eventually coalesce around a candidate. So there, there's no automaticity here. But there is, without a shadow of doubt, a very strong role for the European Parliament. 
And so the people that you elect to the European Parliament are going to have a lot of influence over who becomes Commission President. And they will have yeah. a vote, of course. They'll have, an, they'll have a confirmatory vote as well. And they could, I mean, they could effectively force Council to propose who they want by simply voting against everybody that they put up as They well. could if they managed to build a majority that continues to... If there was a majority to, yeah, for somebody yeah, and the council yeah. refused to put them up, they could have effectively forced them yeah, to. Yeah. 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 All right, there you go. Well, that's a good explanation. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I tried. <laughs> uh, and I, it was... It, basically, what happened was I ended up having to do the homework that I should have done the first time I mentioned it ages ago, yes. but I never got around to properly reading up on the legal base for it all. So now I have. So there you go. I'm now the world's expert. Fatal mistake. Always read the legislation, Chris. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I didn't read the legislation, Steve. I, I, you still have a oh, good. <laughs> I've read the secondary source. Steve Pierce will be tuning out. Did you learn nothing from university? Table. Never read the primary <laughs> sources. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's uh, forty minutes into the podcast. We can get into the meat, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> yes. This is, uh, this is now where we uh, turn to Andy and expect him to talk for the rest of the podcast. So, <laughs> free, free content, please, Andy. Wow, okay. That's, uh, free that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> what, what, can, can you talk a little bit about how, about how this started? Because Remain and Now is quite big now. How many followers do you have on uh, Just over 25,000. I mean that's pretty. Yeah. Oh, you, we, you that's fuck that makes man. me the third. That makes me, makes me the third most followed person on this podcast. Yeah, twenty five point one. I think we are. Wow. So uh, that's yeah, that's good. Um, and yeah, and I'll come maybe to the people that helped me, including Mr. Steve Bullock, who shared some of my tweets in the very early days, which is very helpful. Um, but um, but yeah, so in in essence, I suppose I um, I'm not a Remainer now myself. I mm. I uh, like I said, I wasn't overly political um, before. You know, always I did vote, including in EU elections, which I suppose not everyone does, but. Um, I, you know, I was always pro mainly the common market, you know, single market, etc. Because mm. I, uh, I heard Ken Clark speak when I was eighteen uh, on the issue, so uh, that kind of helped set yeah. your tone. So when the debate came along, I kind of knew where I stood. But I didn't do anything campaigning or anything at the time, apart from annoying my friends on Facebook because. I mean, my first kid was born, <laughs> my first child was born in March that year. So I wasn't going to go out mm. and do stuff. And, um, but yeah, and basically when the result came in, I was probably like an awful lot of people that listen to this podcast, uh, devastated. Uh, I was kind of in a bubble that, you know, 90% of people I knew were voting remain. Uh, and the couple of people that weren't were kind of card carrying Tory members on a sovereignty sort of point. Um, mm. but that was the only people really. And I, when the result came, I thought it was them plus the UKIPs. I didn't appreciate all of the other reasons why people would have ended up voting leave. Mm. Um, and I hadn't used Twitter at that point. I, uh, and I came back, I was actually had a couple of days off work around the vote, came back and f as you are first day at work, someone, we sit down and we're chatting and turns out one of my colleagues, uh, She'd had, it, I didn't realise it at the time, but it was the first Remain an Hour I'd met. Because 
the Monday, <laughs> the Monday after the vote, so what's this, three days afterwards, mm. she's, she's sat there and goes, you know, I really regret it. I don't know why I did it. I wasn't planning on voting mm. that way. But Really, that yeah, quickly? But she wow. was like, I've always voted Labour. Um, I was chatting to my friends in the pub the day before, and they had all they were all also Labour voters and said, you've got to vote against it because it's what Cameron wants is us to stay in. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, well, OK, well, that kind of opened my eyes for a bit. And then for a while, I just was starting, <coughs> you know, a bit lost, trying to work out, didn't really think much of it at the time, but, you know, tried to think of what I could do. I reactivated an old Twitter account uh, and started, you know, gradually trying to, you know, follow things, follow MPs uh, and follow, and then, but wasn't really doing anything overly productive, but started watching, uh, I saw a programme that Adrian Charles did, I think it was a panorama, which was why, why we voted leave. And he went to, I think West Brom, where he's from, and spoke to several people. Um, and that really, and then that was, that was cool. talking about their yeah. kind of protest, their anger of deprivation, of why they were doing it, that really kind of, again, it opened my eyes to realise that actually there was a lot of people that voted for reasons that were completely unrelated to the EU. They, they just wanted yeah. to, you know, kick the system or, you know, they or they did believe the NHS lie. It wasn't because that they... They mm. they did support Nigel Farage in his politics, um, mm. and it was kind of lots of small cogs from that. And then, kind of, I suppose we fast forward what a year to autumn twenty seventeen, and I'm I'm you know I start listening to things like not you guys unfortunately not at that point, but uh, <laughs> I don't think you were even going at that point. Actually, but, no, um, we started, um, but you know listening to Romaniacs, listening to New European podcasts, trying to get learn more and more, and I still at this point a year and a half on, do not see any benefit of Brexit. Try to speak to people to understand, can it work? And I couldn't. And I'd yeah. I'd been following people, and I was, like I said, I was active on Twitter, the FBPE thing started coming out, so I started, you know, looking for things with that. And I, I started finding quite a few Remainer Now type stories on Twitter. Um, oh. which, um, and one, one in particular was, uh, a guy called Hugh Norris. Um, he, uh, it turns out having spoken to him since he actually invented the Remainer Now hashtag. It wasn't me. Um, and oh, yeah, really? he, um, he, I think he was the first person I was yeah, aware of actually. This must be about, yeah. I don't know, what's kind of October, 2017, I suppose. And yeah. obviously there was others and met others in my personal life. Um, but people actively on Twitter saying, look, um, he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Remainer, I'm a Remainer now. Um, and he yeah. got into a debate with someone which I read and he was talking about, you know, he, he found these labels unhelpful because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to be seen as the enemy. He's on that. He's on our side now. And he started this Remainer now hashtag. And that kind of got my kind of cogs all ticking over thinking mm. back to all the things I'd seen and been look there's actually lots of people out there that I think these and I kept seeing more I saw this guy from the north northwest that had done it called Simon that had done a great thread talking about his change which involved a visit to outfits and everything did a great little thread started sharing wow. I saw mm. somebody done a blog who again he was a one nation Tory basically that had voted mm. wanting single mm. market and changed his mind because realised that that wasn't going to happen, a guy called Tim. And like I said, I just kept seeing these stories, and I was like, 
you know what? Rather than me just shouting on my Twitter account <laughs> with kind yeah. of 200 followers, yeah, okay, sometimes someone with a big following might pick up on one of my tweets and it gets shared a few times. But I was like, do you know what? Can I do something more productive? And mm. I've been thinking about <laughs> yeah. doing it around that time. And then <sighs> David Davis was sat in front of a select committee uh, and I think Hilary Benn was questioning him, going, so have you done impact studies on, you know, the aerospace industry? And Davis was like, no, no, not that I'm aware of. And he goes, what about car manufacturing? And he's like, no, no, not that I'm aware of. And I was just so angry how someone in a public office could be so incompetent. Um, I was like, ooh, well, I now really feel my anger had got there. I tried to see the benefits of Brexit. I tried to get on board with the whole, let's just stay in the single market compromise and i was like why i don't see the point in any of it let's do something more productive so that davis trigger i was like right i'm gonna go and do something so i went and joined a sodem protest on a cold december night and i met um the guy does e flag mafia Mm. you know goes around and just start chatting to him yeah they're amazing um paolo his name is and uh he Mm. um he was just telling me about you know why he'd started and how he he just said he got angry and just started hanging flags from the m40 and that and that was his trigger (laughs) and he was just like i'm gonna make a point and i was like do you know what so uh, the next day i came home my wife was kind of you know six months pregnant with my well four months pregnant with my second child so we're in not out and she was like gone to bed at like eight o'clock or something because she was tired and i (laughs) and i saw this tweet uh, just, I think it was on in reply to uh, Martin Lewis, the money saving expert guy. Yeah, and yeah. it was just a little thread. A woman called Julie. It, it, Martin Lewis said something like, uh, "You know, does anyone does anyone regret their Brexit vote? Something you know, something that is right now mm. bread and butter for me." And uh, she go, and this woman calls Julie goes, "Me, I can't believe I fell for the lies." Another lady mm. replies, going, "Me too, girl." And mm. Julie replied to her saying. <coughs> Yeah, there must be so many of us. If the numbers came together, <coughs> it would be powerful. And I was like, yeah. right. And two it minu- is. Two and minutes it is. later, I set up a new new account. I picked up <laughs> yeah. the Q's Remain in Our hashtag and uh, mm. just started sharing the few I'd seen already. Mm. And then... Mm. But what's been, what's been amazing is how Twitter gets criticised a lot that it's a bubble and that it's only noticed... Um, and you know that it's only noticed by it's only noticed and used by journalists yeah, yeah. and 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 politicals. But I think that's been what's what's been amazing about the impact you've had is that you you've used that well, you know, and you've got to opinion makers and you've got to MPs. I mean, you've had events in the House of Commons. Yeah, no, ex- exactly. So like I said, so I just started sharing it, and then. This was what, so it was, I think it was 16th of December 2017 I started. Um, and, you know, I, I reached out to people like, people I knew had big followings that in the Remain community. And yeah, mm-hmm. I knew that was a bubble. Um, but I got a few guys to say, oh, look, you know, I see you've got 7,000 followers. Can you look what I'm doing? Can you share it? And I think yeah. I got to you, Steve, and you did one uh, fairly early on. Romaniacs managed, did I contact Romaniacs, they did it. Um, and then Mark mm. Mark Pack, who does is uh, a Lib Dem journalist. Mm, yeah, um, he picked up on it, and he actually must have been about two weeks old. My account, um, and he just did uh, two accounts any Lib Dem should follow, and one of them mm. was mine. 
um, as his kind of Christmas Eve piece. Um, mm. yeah. So suddenly, by within three weeks of the account, I'd got to two and a half thousand followers. Mm. So it mm. just was really quick to just start picking up, and yeah, and like I said, now I'm uh, follow you know followed by several MPs across all parties, uh, lots of yeah. MEPs. Yeah. Um, Again, across all parties, we've had three events in Parliament that we've uh, taken kind of anything between half a dozen to 15 uh, Remain in House to sit in a room with MPs, talk about their journey. Uh, the idea was to try and meet persuadable MPs that, you know, were on the yeah. fence that need bring mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. But actually, in the end, mostly it was ones who were already on our side, but giving them the stories that then can help them with campaigning. Exactly, so, exactly. So, um, the last one we had was in January, um, and Sam Gmar came across, who mm. not long after he'd resigned from the government. Mm. And mm. he, I think he planned to come for five minutes, and he stayed for an hour. And mm. he just listened to these guys telling their stories, telling them about the triggers, that why they'd voted leave. And it, they vary from NHS. They wanted that money. They realised it's a lie. They've changed. They wanted... You know, they they bought the sovereignty argument. They wanted mm. to protest. An awful lot of people wanted to protest. Mm. An awful lot of people just they went on a gut. They were fifty fifty. Mm. So Hugh, who mm. I mentioned, he was he did his research. He tried to learn, and he couldn't decide which was the best course. And he said, "On a gut, I'll go with the best. I'll go with who I think these guys need a chance to see what happens. We'll never know otherwise." And he very, yeah. he's, he's, he's changed his mind, and he's been one of the. He's on a Twitter break at the moment, but he's he's been one of the real passionate guys. He's come to all the MP events, um, mm. you know, and yeah. just hearing these stories. And I, I just and now we get contact by journalists. I've literally just had one just before we joined the call from a French journalist who wants to come over and meet some people mm. um, in part of their EU elections coverage. And yeah. we're just trying to get the trying to get the stories out there, and you know, if we can help share the narrative that. Getting more and more people to realise that look, change. Like we talked about the partisan politics thing earlier, and changing your mind and coming to a different view. Uh, you know, it's all about realising, and we use the tagline: "It's okay to change your mind." And yeah. you know, and it's getting to that point that people realise: look, Brexit can be such an abusive issue, particularly on Twitter. You know, it's it's bad, can get bad in real life as well, but you know, on Twitter as well, it gets pretty toxic. But getting people that you know, they can see others from changing and they're like, Do you know what? I've been feeling this. I identify with that. And I've I've had quite a few people contact me directly saying, I've been following you from for two months. I'm now ready to say I'm also a remainer now and they share their story mm. and This is I mean I think this is this is really amazing because it really gets over that it's that it's brave to do mm. this, it accepts that it's that yeah. it's, it's, we're talking about, about parties. Well, as you said, it really gets over that it's that it's it's brave of people. It's hard to admit. It's hard to admit that you made a mistake. It's hard to admit to yourself, and it's hard to admit to uh, to other people. And I think it really gets it really gets gets over that you can mm. do this. And I think it does give it does give people uh, uh, give people uh, uh, the strength to to be able to do that. And I think M- MPs seeing this is so important. We've we've talked. Yeah. We haven't talked about it for a while, but we've talked a lot about how important it is to write to MPs and, you know, how, how their, ma- their mailbox is, uh, is so important to them of, of how they view their constituents and how they view people's views. 
um, it's not good enough just to have opinion polls and, 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 and stuff in the newspaper and, 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 and Twitter and stuff. And this gets it to them, it gets it to all of them, you know. Well, yeah. We talked earlier, didn't we, about... Um, we talked earlier about the way in which the local elections result was spun um, as being something that it wasn't. And it was spun that way by the party leadership on both sides uh, and by large parts of the press. And it the spin stuck. And what's really important is... Yeah, that's exactly what happened with the um, with 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 the referendum result. The referendum result was spun in a certain way. This is what the people want, and the yeah. people have spoken. And I am the only one who can interpret the people correctly. And what you do is you make the connection between real people and the people that are spinning, that are lying and spinning. And it's such an important thing to do. Um, I Listen, think, and, and it's a really hard thing to do. It, it's not just exactly about what, um, the mission. It's not just about the kind of the missionary zeal of, exactly. of, of converting people or or giving people an opportunity to change their minds. It's about connecting yeah. the, those people with the people that need to see that it's happening, yeah, so that they precisely. know that their lie or that their their assumptions are wrong. And and that, and, it, and it, I think you can't underestimate the personal the personal on this and hearing it and he- hearing this stuff from normal people. I mean, that's what in the group I'm involved with final say for all. That's, that's yeah. the basis of what, of what we try to do is we try to tell people's people's stories about Brexit. Um, and this, these, these stories of, trying to, of, of, of changing your mind on Brexit are sort of the key, yeah. the, the key ones that people need to see that it's, it's not normal people like them yeah. going, hang on a minute. No, and- Maybe maybe I'll give one uh, one example, and then I want to say something that you know that it's not just me doing this now. But um, uh, one example is there's a guy called uh, Andy uh, Andy Martin is his name. Uh, he was arguing me as a lever up until about mid Feb, and he'd been mm-hmm. following me for a while, and I almost muted him to be honest because he was yeah. coming up because you know we, we're trying to get out there we want to get out the bubble we're trying to get to other people but mm. I'm, I'm also trying to build a community and get people to realize it's okay to change your mind i don't want when someone you know getting abused for saying they've changed their mind at all but i didn't but i debated with him quite a lot and then uh he's now completely flipped and he's one of the most vocal <laughs> remainer nows and really? yeah, and I, I maybe I'll, mm. I'll ping it to you guys afterwards. The call he did with James O'Brien, uh, or or an article, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or an article he did. Yeah. Uh, he did this is about mid mid March, and then the article was in April. I think I saw this one actually. And yes, I think he, I saw this. Um, he changed. He was basically saying I was arguing because I felt I needed to keep my position, and I was reading yeah. back over Twitter debates that I've had with people, reading what I've said, and realizing I don't agree with what I'm saying. I agree with what they're saying. And, wow. and look, that maybe that's a strange example. I don't think you know Twitter isn't always the best place to actually change people's minds, but it does happen. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying no, it was him debating with me it. that yeah. did it. I think he was debating generally on <coughs> Brexit slash Remain Twitter, trying. And he maybe mm. fair play to him. He was trying to get out of his bubble by not just saying in his in yeah, his chamber. And he was debating Remainers. But I remember yeah. when he suddenly contacted me before we went on James O'Brien. He contacted me about two weeks before, and. He um, he said, "Look, I'm going to. Um, um, I'm sorry, my cat just came in the room. It's distracted me. <laughs> um, um, but he um, 
he he said, "Look, I've I've been fighting this for so long, and I've I've changed, and I want to fight this. I don't want this done in my name. Farage disgusts me now. I don't want no deal. This is where it's going." And yeah, I'll share the call because maybe it'd be a good one to add in the episode notes. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, that is just a good example that yeah, some are doing this on their own journey, and we get they get referred to us maybe by a local group or what have you. So I'm not saying it's our group that's changing minds, but people are some of our most active guys are getting on, uh, you know, MPs threads, replying to them, saying, well, "Hi, I'm here. I've changed my mind." They are writing to yeah. MPs. We, we're trying to encourage everyone to write to MPs. We're currently going through uh, people we've met on the Twitter, the Facebook, etc., saying, look, can you tell us who your MP is? Because we want to be able to answer MPs' requests. So we've got MPs, yeah. maybe from the Remain side, that want to help build it, but um, we also want to be able to rep- respond to, say, I don't know, David Davis, to say, well, no-one's changed their mind. So actually, David, we know three people at least who are, are haven't yeah. just changed their mind. These are people that are actively campaigning the other way now. Um, yeah. You know, and we've got... There's a candidate from, for Change, actually, Change UK, that's uh, remaining out um, in the... Well, I don't know if it, which, which, which West or East Midlands it is, but she's one of the... She's lower down the list, but she's... You know, so she's out there, and, you know, it does show that they are about, so... Yeah. You can't have done this alone. I mean, it, you started it alone, but... Um, I mean, you're effectively an organisation now, no? Well, yeah, well, we're, we're trying to get there, actually. And, uh, yeah, that is the aim, is to basically uh, formalise ourselves and become uh, registered, really, as a mm. member of the Electoral Commission. But, um, no, I, quite early on, in my first couple of months, um, a girl who was, at the time, um, a... Um, she was running the social media for Best for Britain, actually, um, mm. and she picked up on my threads and she contact and then uh, she contacted and said, "Look, what you're doing is something I've realised that w- we should be doing, and I've thought about it for a while. Can we maybe work together on it?" Uh, mm. While she was still at Best for Britain, uh, she did actually leave there in the end, just for various other reasons. But she's been helping uh, with that. You know, like I said, I'm not political. I've not ha- got a background in activism or anything. So she's kind of had some contacts and she started to get them together to hold these parliament events like she knows people like ben bradshaw and yeah um david lammy and some of the other guys as well that she managed to kind of get in contact with to to set these things up from her time there um so she does an awful lot of work behind the scenes um but we've also just got some other volunteers that um just you know guys we met on twitter that help us with one runs the youtube and does the videos one does facebook one guy helps me with verifying actually so one thing we do do is we don't just take people's remaining now tweets as gospel because i think it's very important that we have integrity of this because i really yeah. don't think there's any point in sharing someone making a big thing about them being a remainer now to find out actually they all they vote remain and they're just pretending um oh, you, you, you do you, yeah. you do due diligence on it wow yeah excellent. so you, you there's obviously certain things you can't do due diligence if it's a call to james o'brien on lbc i will share yeah. that there's no way i can really check if i just know it's roy from sheffield i can't 
necessarily mm. check his history. But then again, if he's willing to put himself out there on a radio show, you kind well, of think, quite, yeah. fair enough. But because mm. I see it so much the other way of fake leaver nows, if that makes sense, mm. that people, mm. yeah. you yeah, know, yeah. I voted Remain, but, but, you know, given the EU's horrible handling of the way they've treated Britain, I've changed my mind. <laughs> Um, and then you, and then you, you do a quick timeline. Oh yeah, you just, I just Google the yeah, yeah, and I just Google it. And I just <laughs> but the problem Google is there are so many MPs who actually, well, they may not be genuinely, but they say they are. There's yeah. so many Tory MPs who are like, yeah, well, of course yeah. I voted Remain, but given the way we've been treated, yeah. Um, mm. So, uh, so because of that, uh, there's a guy called Jamie who helps me uh, helps me helps me verify. He'll, he'll go back and check our Remain and our guys' timelines just to check there's none the other way. Yeah, to, to, yeah. to not saying you know tweets straight after the referendum and it sounds a bit stalkery but i think it's important so no, i no, just yeah. and i used to when i first started have to search to try and find people by like searching terms like voted leave but change my mind what have you whereas now with a 25k following there's more that come to me in a day that i can handle so i've mm, yeah i've currently Choose got on. a backlog right. of about 20 people that have that have been cleared but i haven't got a chance to mm. share in essence mm. yeah yeah. So that's what I wouldn't say. So yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a team now, and yeah, the plan is to uh, register with the electoral commission. We're in the process of working out exactly how we can do that. Um, it's going to be <laughs> Victoria, the girl from Best of Britain, myself, and then uh, four of the Remain and Our guys actually who want to get involved wow. and help kind of run it. So and this would allow you to be an official campaign organisation during any campaign period, right? Exactly. So the, that's yeah. the reason before it is. You know, I've still got a full time job. I don't want to. I want. I need the help. I need these people to do it. But mm -hmm. um, I, uh, we want to. If there is a referendum, we want to be able to have much more, um, be yeah. much more free and willing, be able to do things in finance periods and things like that. Yeah, mm. yeah. And you know, the plan is to have a launch event and everything, which. I was hoping I'd be able to have a bit of uh, news for that, but uh, I haven't got any. But if people mm. do kind of cotton on, they're hoping, you know, early early summer, if no stitch-up mm. deals done in the next two weeks, um, we'll be able to get a launch <coughs> event and got various stunts to help and maybe some visit, more, you know, visits to both parliaments and things like yeah. that. So, And so I guess what people... I mean, I don't think there are any still... Are very few still leavers who listen to uh, <laughs> listen to this podcast. Well, I think there might be a guy in Saint Petersburg, but um, <laughs> but um, the uh, I guess what you what you want what you want remainers to do is to help you find is to help you find these people and to also and to also spread the spread the spread the message and spread the the testimonies. Uh, yeah, the, those fine. two things, and there's probably a third thing as well. But yeah, look, if people can find us on www.remainernow.com, uh, it's at remainernow on Twitter, at remainernow on Instagram, remainernow, two words, on Facebook, and we've also got a YouTube rem at uh, remainernow as well. If people Excellent. can go on, share those, share the stories, they can look through, think this is good, retweet, share a YouTube video, um, that's great. Um, podcast also, yeah, too, right, Andy? We have got a podcast. Uh, it's it's on a bit of hiatus because uh, mm. Chris, who's uh, remaining now himself, uh, who's taken over from host on that, he's uh, he's struggling with everything to to get it out. But um, yeah. yeah, that there's a podcast. <laughs> I know this feeling. It's not easy. It's lots of work. Yeah, like a surprising um, amount of work. Um, you know, and he's he's you know he's he's got a job and everything as well. So um, he, um, but yeah, and it, yeah, if we can get. 
yes, we're trying to reach some levers, but if Remainers know about us, then they're at street stalls or they're chatting to friends, neighbours, on a Facebook debate or whatever, can spread the word so people can use us as the resource, which is why we really started, which was I wanted to prove a point that I was fed up of seeing MPs and media say, but no one's changed their mind. And if they can get out, share those stories, and then refer people to us that have, then brilliant. Then we can bring them on board. We can get them right into, get them coming to events. Uh, Like I say, we've done some already, which I mentioned, but, you know, what we're hoping if we launch, we can really get out there. And I know, um, you know, I think some of the campaigns like Best of Britain, also we want to work with them because there's ov- they've obviously got people in their books that will be remaining now, but until we're an official campaign, we, it's very difficult for us to work with them fully. We've got, you know, we've got contacts. They help share articles and things, but... Um, but beyond that, it's definitely... Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that, that that's the main thing. And then the other thing which you didn't mention, Steve, which, you know, maybe you guys have seen as well, is also... Remainers not judging people that voted leave and have yeah, come up and said... Yeah, I was going to ask said, you about this, about how the and, reaction was. Because, yeah, look, it's been almost 18 months now I've been doing this, kind of 16, 17 months, and it's got far better, far, far better. When I first did it, there was people going, oh, well, it's no good changing your mind. You've, you've you know, lot from some, some from EU citizens, but some from others... Um, saying you've screwed my life or you've wrecked the country. What what good does your admission or regret help me now? Or there's no chance of it Brexit being stopped now yeah. in December seventeen. There was probably far less chance of Brexit being stopped. Whereas yeah. now you don't get that. Well, what good does it do? Because people generally think that there's a good chance that it will be. Mm. So you're not getting those sorts of responses. But. Um, I don't know what what you've seen. Have you ever, you know, listen? I mean, I, I, I am. Um, I've got to say that um, I think you've you've actually influenced me a great deal on that. I think I, I was definitely one of you've the. You got less angry. About I, that, I was definitely. I was very angry, and I mean, I, I felt a little bit of it creeping back when when you were talking earlier, actually, about people that did it as a protest vote to give to give uh, Cameron a kicking. I mean, I still get very cross when I hear things like that. Because, I mean, you know, I, I think about what was at stake and what was at play. And I, I think that people going and making, you know, even even if they... I, know, I, I do... It does still make me angry, I'll be honest. But, right. you know, you have... I think it's, it's specifically you and, 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 and the campaign that you've been running has actually made me um, review my anger and, and tone it down and, and welcome, be a bit more welcoming towards people that, know deserve our praise for doing something courageous yeah sorry chris i was just going to come back to you on that protest vote thing um i was like you on the 24th of june 2016 and when i first started when i spoke to my colleague two days later and but i think the thing that you realize with that is there's a lot of people there's kind of two sorts of protest votes i think there's people that just didn't like cameron thought remain would win and just thought they had nothing to lose by voting against. They could just lower his win, give him a little bloody nose without actually having the result. I think yeah. that's one one lot because the last week everyone was saying Remain of win, <clears throat> we've walked it all all fine. So they did think, well, what have I got to lose? I can vote against Cameron, feel good about myself, and it won't affect it. Then the other side is the people that generally their lives were so shit and so bad they thought they had nothing to lose and they were kind of like 
I've been they've been left behind they've struggled over the past five six years and they didn't appreciate they just thought this was something that would change and they didn't understand all the issues look I I said I I felt myself quite engaged during the debate I did not understand the workings of the single market fully i knew it was a good thing but i didn't really appreciate all the ramifications i had no idea what article 50 was and i think there's a lot of people that were literally like my life's crap let's throw it all up in the air and this it can't get any worse so why not change it and i think that's that's i think i think that's really really important to remember i mean Firstly, you know, most, we talked about this a little last week as well. You know, most people aren't that engaged in politics, you know, and the, the, the world makes it harder to, harder to be engaged in politics outside of your Facebook feed, mm. ta- your Facebook feed and, you know, the, the, the 10 o'clock news. Because the world makes it harder because people are, people are working more. Um, people have complicated lives. People have families. And people don't have don't have time, and also you know people have other, <laughs> rightly have have other interests, you know. So, I think for a lot of people, for a lot of people, it what it didn't seem like a particularly huge huge decision. I mean, we all I think everybody's gone through some sort of a journey about going from anger to something more productive and likely to change people's minds. It's coming round to the you know it's coming coming round to the idea that what we're trying to do is change people's minds, and if you just <laughs> calling them fuckwits, that do, that doesn't that yeah. doesn't do it, you know. So even just on a on a on a strategic level, that doesn't that doesn't work. But yeah, the, I mean the realization the realization for me was when the prof, the process was much more complicated than I thought it would be. And I thought it would be extraordinarily complicated. And yeah, at a certain point, maybe late, maybe kind of late 2017, you realize that there are things that you, that I hadn't even remotely thought about. Um, I mean, I talked about ages ago about the Article 50 letter, including Eurotom, and I read it and went, fucking hell, yeah, Eurotom. I just literally, at that point, hadn't thought of it at all. And you think, okay, if someone like me who's worked in, worked in the commission, and worked in council, kind of underestimated by an, by by a vast amount how complicated it was going to be. You know, it's understandable that 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 people didn't get that it was a people didn't get that it was that it that it was particularly huge. Yeah. I, and yeah, okay, that may have been irresponsible, but that's that's the outside of a political bubble. Yeah. That's the that's the reality about it. I mean, where I come from in Newcastle, people don't talk about politics in the pub on the whole. You know, it's like a, you know, I had, for example, I mean, I, I was on uh, one of my, my good mates got married a couple of weeks ago and was chatting to some guys in the stag do. Three guys all think Brexit disaster. Two of them didn't vote because they were like, I was abroad, didn't arrange a postal vote, thought it wouldn't matter, didn't think people would yeah. buy into it. Another guy didn't vote because he was like, I don't fully understand the issues. It's probably a bad idea, but I don't know enough to vote. I'm not going to read enough to vote. So didn't. And all three of them are now like, there needs to be a second referendum. It's a disaster. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You, know, you know, that's just a couple of examples that, yes, all of us that do what we do, obviously you guys working where you do or, were, you know, in Brussels doing this podcast, anyone who's in the sort of remain Twitter, anti-Brexit Twitter, is for all over this issue. But so many people just aren't. 
And, yeah. you know, and that was even maybe even more so when, you know, this is after three years of debate. That was but after three bit, months well, of debate well, for... Well, that's something I've sensed in the last couple, in the last few weeks, actually, maybe last <laughs> month. I've sensed the anger, ang- the, the angry with people who voted leave, so this is different to angry with, ang- angry with Brexiters, yeah. angry with the people who sold them it, but anger with people who voted to leave and still maintain that position three years in yeah. and with the information that they now have. I think this is causing a bit of a backlash back at it. And this is, this, this strikes me as particularly particularly unhelpful if we are going to end up in a uh, in a referendum campaign yeah that you know the the most recent past at that point becomes the most Im- the most important bit and um so i mean I, yeah i mean i hope it's it's completely understandable i look i wake up angry every fucking day but i think it's a it's it's a question of just really being aware of that and trying to direct your anger at the right people you know and yeah of Blame the blame the con men, not their marks. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. any absolutely anybody can be conned and still and still can be. Uh, yeah. you, you can't blame people for being conned. I think. Yeah. Um, Andy, Chris um, is looking uncomfortable. <laughs> it's, it's, late. it's almost it's almost it's almost midnight with anger. Guys, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just uh, oh, yeah, I'm con- conscious of the time. <laughs> well, I am. I'm yeah. I I am absolutely knackered. But no, I, I was just. Um, Going to ask Andy, if, is there anything, you know, now, while we've got you, um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about while you're on the podcast? <laughs> Put you on the spot. Um, do you know while we listen to Steve gently vaping in the background. And, <laughs> it's quite it's quite disconcerting just seeing him every now and then just have a big vape. <laughs> but um, I'm used to it now. Um, now. To be honest, I think you guys have been giving me quite a lot of airtime and I've, I've kind of got out a lot of, lot of things, um, you know, to kind of just raise awareness, really. I think that's, that's the key thing. It's just, you know, local groups, if you meet people on stools, they might not might want to do a video. Not everyone does. Some people do. And the, you send them in, we'll share them, we'll send them on a WhatsApp group we've got with cross-party MPs. So you're happy for people where you meet people on street stalls and stuff to do a video there and oh, then course. send yeah, it to yeah, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's really that's really good to know. It's really so good. So we've had a few Cornwall for Europe, particularly, are very good at it. They they've done quite a lot yeah. for us. Uh, Leeds mm. have done a couple as well. Um, a couple of others. Well, I think Cornwall must Cornwall appears to be a sort of centre of Romania now. Yeah, there's well, a lot I mean. a lot there. I think it's, I think if you look at some of the polling there in South Wales, are two of the biggest. Uh, <laughs> Wonder <laughs> why. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know because we share what we share attract- polling as what well. What first attracted you to European regional funds? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, obviously there's reasons, and but some of them, you know, that was that was the protest vote. That was the the fuck you vote, wasn't it? In in some of the yeah. places. Yeah. Um, so I think that's. But yeah, we also share, you know, polling. Look, you know, our stories we share. They're they're just they support the polling. You know, there was I think Cantar got yeah. one out today, which I think if you take the uh, would not votes and don't knows off, that's you know fifty six forty four, and that's just on the straight leave remain not. Mm. actual uh, achievable leave versus remain yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah. you know we since <laughs> august 2017 where you know there's not been a poll that's that's showing no. you know no. remain. i know you dealt this with lies in the week in the past but yeah. you know that's the thing and so yeah if people can get videos but even if people at street stores don't want to do videos or what have you just let them know about us you know give out write down our twitter or facebook what have you give it out and let them know that they should contact us because mm. they might be welcome and find 
comfort really that there's other and people community, and yeah. community yeah. you know we've got a group of kind of 40 remaining hours on a on a dm threat dm group where we chat about you know anyone want to answer this journal request things like that let them know about events of what we call our hardcore i call my you know hardcore group but there's a far wider community than that as well but mm. you know and you know new people are adding all the time and different people some people don't want to be that vocal they just want to do the odd tweet and follow that's fine some people want to get pri- out there pri- and do privately pr- privately, privately write to, write to their MP. yeah and that's it yeah, so absolutely. um that's the thing and if any remaining hours are there please just get onto your mp write to them your voices are way more important than people that vote remain they're far oh, more likely yeah. to listen to them. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that's the thing. But as I say, maybe you haven't got that many um, waveringly voters that listen to Kate Watch, but... Um... Who knows? Look, I mean, I just want to say that um, I think what you do is really impressive. Um, I was talking earlier about how um, how impressed I am with the work that Femi does and how much mm. praise I think he deserves for that. And I think the same goes for you. I really do. I, it, one thing that has been really exciting about... Um, watching this community build and grow since the referendum has been, look, you know, politics isn't dead. You know, activism isn't dead. You know, look at the number of people who've been mobilized and we've all got our role to play and we all do things differently. And you do, you do stuff that I just couldn't do. And I, I'm full of admiration for what you do. So, you know, all, all, yeah, power, to you, all, all power to you, Andy. And yeah. thank you very much for what you well, do. You look, you know, the main uh, the main reason I got into this, and I gave some of the reasons of what Vent made for me, but it's it's for my two kids mainly, right? So mm. I, I, it's as a father that you know I, what I've just you, know, you want to do things. I want you know a three year old and an almost one year old. You know I want them yeah. to be in a country that I, I'm proud of, and not a country that is torn away to. Uh, isolated inward looking country and have an economy yeah. that they can get jobs and everything like that and uh, i think there's huge numbers out there that feel exactly the same and that's why they do stuff sure. that's why they you know i i have admiration for the people that every every single saturday are out on the street doing street stores yeah, you know i absolutely i, you know, yeah. I can't i you know because of family i don't do that so i do this mm. But you know yeah, those guys. Yeah. You know that is that's having conversations. That's raising awareness all the time. Getting out there. So yeah. um, everyone's got their role. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, look, listen. Um, we have we got a lie of the week this week. We have got a lie of the week, haven't we? Didn't you put one in the? Uh, it wasn't exactly I, a lie. I can't see my I can't see my program note. No, it was a clipping that Andy gave us. So um, why don't we have some music, Steve? Should I play the music? Play the music. Play the music. I don't believe you. You're a liar. So, uh, Lie of the Week um, is from um, an inveterate liar who rarely appears in this segment because... We all take it for granted that anything emerging from his toad-like orifice is untruthful. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a default position. So, yeah, yeah, you can't but generally it, do it. Yes, yeah, Nigel Farage. Um, and and the lie, Steve. What's the lie? The lie is uh, that he that he he said that no deal was better than a bad deal during the referendum during the referendum campaign uh when in fact he didn't 
Uh, he consistently said that there would be a deal. He said the chances of there not being a deal were very slim. Um, and basically, I mean, it was sold on the it was sold on the prospectus of there being a being a, a, a deal. And uh, now he's set up a non-party, as you pointed out earlier, quite rightly, um, based around the idea of no deal. Yeah. Um, and cl- claims that this was what they were always what they were always for. No deals. <sighs> no deals. No deals. Weird thing. Nobody was in favour of no deal, and nobody talked about no deal. As far as I can tell, until Theresa May said no deal's better than a bad deal, mm. and then this was le- this was leapt upon um, yep. as a as a as a mantra for hard Brexiters, um, because they realised that if you pull the narrative the the uh, to the extreme, the Overton window move move with it, possibly not as far, but it moves with it, and also they realised. I mean. That uh, that and once they did that, they realised that actually it gained support because I mean what this is all about mm. is selling simple solutions to complicated problems, and No Deal is the ultimate simple solution to a complicated problem. It is, however, absolutely mm. cast iron, catastrophic, and it's a lie that it was ever sold as part of the uh, as part of the prospectus for for the referendum. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, look, there's a reason that we don't normally do. Farage will talk about him very much because I mean he we don't want to amplify the guy that he he gets far too much of our attention as it is and I, I simply don't want to talk about him I don't want to no, really acknowledge sure. his existence I want him to be a marginal character that he ought to be um, but seeing as we're talking about him I mean let's let's just also in the context of lies of the week um, this big drama between him and Andrew Marr. And, and now he's painting the BBC as being um, somehow, uh, what did they call it? Um, he, he, he's angry with the BBC and whipping up his supporters against the BBC because he thinks that the BBC is mis- misrepresenting him and biased against him. And well, if I'd, to be fair, if I'd been on the BBC literally hundreds of times without ever being properly questioned... <laughs> Um, and then suddenly I was. I'd probably be a bit knocked about that as well, you know. Well, call it proper questioning, but no. <laughs> didn't think that was. The, didn't think that. I, I'm sorry. I didn't think that's what the deal was. I thought the deal was I came on and and you promoted me. Well, I wanted to. I wanted <laughs> to, to draw attention to a tweet from the German um, journalist Annette Dittert, who is the head of the uh, bureau, uh, head of head of bureau for in London for the uh, for the ARD. Uh, mm. Network, which is like the the the, the, pr- the first channel in in Germany, the public public broadcaster, and so it's it's, it's she's a she's a quite a serious figure. She she would be the equivalent of a serious uh, of, of one of the senior BBC correspondents, and her um her her tweet says the BBC are now having to deal with a monster of their own making. Yeah, uh, I think absolutely. that's that's uh, there's a truth yeah. bomb for you. Yeah, that's how it's seen by serious journalists from other countries, and that she's absolutely right. Yes, this isn't a bleating Romaniac yeah. saying it. This is a very no. serious German journalist. No, you yeah. sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. And just on the on the lie thing, just bring it back to Romania now. Uh, Oliver Norgrove, who was a vote leave staffer, he said he kind of came across an abandoned leave about two months ago. Mm. Um, uh, he said he said a number of times, even before he changed, that um, 
no deal was never mentioned anywhere in vote leave when he was working for them, when he worked for them for the whole campaign. So he just said, just to be clear, this was never mentioned, not even in a no. campaign discussion. <laughs> like, I know leave.eu is different for Farage. But even they but were, they, they moved. I mean, they had initially been talking all yeah. about, oh, well, you know, well, we'll just quit the political stuff and we'll sort of stick, keep with the single market and so of on. Of course, yeah. And it gradually evolved and, and got more and more extreme, didn't it? All right. Um, so listen, Andy, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been really interesting to hear about um, your... Uh, mission, <laughs> your noble mission, um, the amazing work that you do and um, that the team around you um, do. So thank you so much for that. Um, it was good chat. Um, look forward to future chats. You and I are, are neighbours, actually, so we, we have the good fortune of knowing each other in real life. Um, we, we met through Twitter and Brexit Twitter and, and Remain Twitter, didn't we? So... Um, yeah, but our kids are our youngest kids are roughly the same age, so we occasionally go out ah, for for, for walks in the, in the woods. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's brilliant. <laughs> so I look forward to that. But in the meantime, thank you so much. And um, next week, European elections. Yes, absolutely. Uh, are you voting, Andy? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I've literally. I've just got back from holiday, and my postal vote is ready to fill off. I'm going to get that done tomorrow. I think. Uh, I know where I'm, I know which way I'm voting, so uh, it's it's fine. I'm not waiting till the last minute. So, <laughs> brilliant. Good, good. Yeah. So right. yeah, next week uh, we'll uh, we'll do. I guess the the we'll have the final bits of polling and advice from everybody about it as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, we can, yeah, so we'll be talking about that next week. Yeah. And thanks very much for coming on, Andy. It was really great yeah, to see you. And uh, more power to your uh, to to your Twitter handle. And um, well, thanks very much, yeah, everybody. It's been and, a pleasure. Thank you so much. Good night. Good night. All. Yes. Thanks a lot. Secret